Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa dang dhammang sanggang namasami So there's um, things we need to learn about the mind or get clear about the mind when we're uh, practicing or this is the what the mind is. Often we kind of assume it's the brain, thinking system, psychology. And then it's quite a revelation when you when you look in the Scriptures, you see a lot of it's really much more about heart, about loving-kindness, about sensitivity, about the sense of conscience and concern, which we say much more heart-based. You know, just using language. And so recognize it's, it's about something very grounded. You know, like mindfulness of the body, where you just really have a sense of holding presence at one point, you know, which is the, the strength, the base of the mind, which is not really uh, about, definitely not about thinking, just the ability to be conscious and uh, a sense of a, a, almost like a bareness about that, like it's just, just this, just this, just this. And this ground, you might say, which is often the bit of mind that we least recollect partly because so much of our life is about movement and organisation and changing things and referring to things and preferring things and discriminating between things and figuring out the future, the past that really not much of your mind is going to bump, here we are, it's just this <laughs> so actually this is quite a, a, a simple in theory for profound training you know, it's grounding Grounding, grounding, doing it many times, you know, frequently. Just because there's this current of energy that's running out, running out, running out, and scrambling and diffusing, and uh, and often this is what we kind of um, sense mostly about our mind. And then we try in that energy also to find the right thing to connect to that will give us a good feeling, a steady feeling, things will be cleared, you know. And yet, often we, 
we're taking up that pursuit with a mind that's running out. You know, the mind runs out to find something that will make it stable. <laughs> yeah. This is like carrying a candle around trying to find out how to put the flame out. You know, the very running out, searching for stability, you know, searching for the right situation, the right system, the right person, you know, the right environment, they all feel right. Now it's all right. But if you notice, it never is all right. It's all right for a bit, but then if only just a little less of that and a bit more of that and... If they were like, then just change it just a little bit. That's it, that's it. But wait a minute, it could be like that and like that. Yep. And then if we added more to it like that, it would be even better. <laughs> you know? And this is, a lot of life is about this, isn't it? You know, this monastery, but always building bits to it to make it just right. Uh, yeah. And then what's the, people will leave because there's too many people here. So I don't like to live in a small community. As soon as they leave, the community gets smaller. <laughs> or, you know, but then if it's too small, you don't have enough people to run the place, and it's too busy because you don't have enough people. So enough people, but not too many people. If I want them when I need them, then when I don't need them, they go away. <laughs> that would be just right. You know, and uh, enough meditation, but not, you know, I don't want to sit there with back pain and knee aching all the time. So, you know, it's not going to happen, is it? Mm. You know? You know, you get it fair enough, really. But there's that sense of, oh, is this as good as it gets? It's kind of just, you know, I like something really strict and strong and really, you know, none of this, none of just straight, pure, yeah, really. And it's frippery talking to people and stuff like that. It's kind of all happening. It's really steady. But um, if people splinter like that or get really rigid, and then you find yourself unable to also to deal with, you know, an, an average conversation without getting blown away. Because it is a false kind of stability that's based upon external conditions. We can't dismiss external conditions because we are sensitive, you know. And, it, and but then also one has to take responsibility to turn the mind back, you know, turn the mind back from that outgoing energy. And see, actually, it could be a lot simpler than getting everything right. It could be just a matter of coming back to where it's all right already. You know? Where's that? You know, it could be, it's a very simple movement in a way, but then we feel a bit lost, like, well, where is it all right? Body isn't all right. The thoughts aren't all right. The emotions aren't all right. You know, where is it? Yeah. So, discovery is kind of uh, it's returning, but you have this, this like there's a barrier there of disturbance, blockages, hindrances, entanglements, like this this wall or this barrier of agitation or turgidity or stagnation or insecurity. You know, you've got to get through, and uh, 
you know, really the first, almost the first thing we do is finding a place where it is all right. You know, instead of just sitting and simplifying the perspectives. One of the um, big uh, obstacles is this thing called papancha, which means something like proliferation or, or multiplicity. Yeah, which means our mind conceives of, of our life many, many things. You know, we, we are we're multi, multi-dimensional. There's me and my friends and uh, my relatives and my job and my pets and my habits and my creative instincts and my health and you know, and you're trying to get them all all right. You know, so uh, we kind of have a, a huge number of things that we feel ourselves as being or involved with we want them all to be alright but actually the point is that uh, well the difficult thing is you've got to let go of all of that really not not negate it or dismiss it but find something that's not none of that much more intrinsic than all those things we've adopted uh, created wedded ourselves to and it's it's not not a judgment against them. These none of these things are necessarily unwholesome or wrong, but you know they're not of the essence of that which you can find real. This very grounded sense in this very stable sense in. Unless you get that really stable all rightness, then actually your mind doesn't have a foot on the ground. It doesn't, so it can never really settle down. If it doesn't settle down, it will never feel happy. It will always feel something fidgety, something that needs to be settled. And you can it's because of him, it's because of that, it's because of this. But actually it isn't. It's because fundamentally the mind doesn't have a foot on the ground. So it's restless. And it looks out and it explains that restlessness around this and that and this and that and this and that. But uh, it's not, because the mind doesn't contact anything except its own sense, its own perception, its own feeling. And this is underlying kind of chafing of unsettledness. Like a restless. Hmm? Yeah. Unfound, questioning. Huh? And so when you come back to that almost in that very heart of that restless questioning not you know perhaps it's some somewhere in that we've got to relate to that in quite a tender way rather than a dismissive way rather than piling things on top of it it's in kind of quite a gentle way to that because it's actually somewhere in there and that starts to open and yield you find a way through to this fundamental ground, you might say. So it's fundamental ground, and then the, then this very we learn the basic heart, you might say, which is not about events and circumstances. It's a very basic heart towards our self towards our fundamental uh, setup, you know? uh, 
and it, it's often catalyzed by beginning to turn the mind around at that place where it goes out because of this kind of not right feeling it starts to move out from that discomfort and it says well if I only could be warmer or wetter or hotter or quieter or happier or colourful or busier or less busy or certainly if it was that because these things you know, it's going out going out, going out for that but actually if we come back to the very basic sense of this inner agitation which is, you know, first noble truth dukkha instead of trying to cure it fix it, name it blame it there's a kind of yielding into that this is where we learn or we come back to very fundamental heart sense of compassion sense of uh, tender heartedness and in that we begin to sense a connection to the ground the mind starts to put its foot down on the ground because uh, what was really needed was a feeling of in a way being welcomed back. You're all right here. You're all right here. You're all right here. It's rather like rocking a baby, you know. Whatever the baby's wailing about, basically you just hold it and rock it. (laughs) It wants a lollipop, or it wants a pee, or it wants a... Whatever it wants, you just pick it up and rock it. You don't have to, um, you know... um, get agitated about it, just needs a calming effect. This is what ground, fundamental ground does. And we find it, we say first of all you find it just by the sitting, there's a bodily sense there. And the heart sense of it is the acknowledgement of this dissonance, subtle dissonance. It can be a gross dissonance, but you start to un unravel the topics and just get back to the basic kind of frictioning, stressing. Then can we soften, widen, you know, open into that? It's quite a tenderness, you know. This is, you know, we often find this in our meditation. This is the place because then, you know, you can put aside the outgoing of the external senses, the outgoing of time, place, events, progress, things we've got to do, is pull that side and come back, come back, come back. This is a place to find yourself. So you have this heart, and also we have this sense of uh, clear wisdom faculty, often associated with you know, head, which can recognize, oh, yeah, you know, can actually sense what's going on. So in a way you have three minds. <laughs> One was bad enough, wasn't it? <laughs> or you can see the mind in three aspects. <laughs> but because we tend to only think of it as one thing, you know, it's just some kind of thinking, 
organizing organism, we miss out on the most useful aspects of what actually bring us into a sense of harmony. And the, uh, it's, not, it's not unusual to be broken up because it's only, uh, you know, what's called samadhi. One of the features of it is the experience of actually becoming whole. We're not, you know, tomorrow and yesterday and what I'm going to do about it. And we're not, actually, it's healed. It's become one. It's one gathered together into one place. So this is not the norm, is it? People. You know, know, normally, you know, when we think of something, we we drop our bodies. Lose contact with the body. Feel very, uh, a lot of strong emotions, but lose clear thinking. Clear discernment. Lose perspective. Yeah. Strong bodily threat, we lose a sense of, of um, you know, compassion and kindness for others. We get kind of me, 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 you know. So, so these will tend to come, not have all three together most of the time. So it's in meditation you have the chance to actually bring, start to bring it all together. And the, what I would suggest is you start first of all with this sense, just a basic presence, basic ground, basic heart very basic clarity, clarity that knows just the ability to discern what's going on, you know. You know, we talk about we talk about mind in terms of using a word like heart. Naturally, uh, uh, what this brings us into the understanding of feeling and perception, and of course impulses. And these are very much the fundaments of what the Buddha meant when he used the word mind or chitta. There's impulses, certain rising up of of weak or strong impulses. Intentions, volitions, pushes, urges. It's passion rising up, fear rising up, joy rising up, love rising up, kind of welling up. Uh, Feeling, feeling of uh, pleasantness, displeasant, agreeable, pleasant, wonderful, enjoyable, ecstatic. Or feeling uh, neutral, or feeling, you know, Slightly negative, a bit bored, utterly fed up, miserable, depressed, suicidal. <laughs> you know? So with this lot going on, you can understand why heart <laughs> oh, is a difficult place to be. <laughs> yeah. This is why you have to, you know, because it is like this. I mean, everybody can recognize that we don't have... It's not hopefully it's not that wild all the time, but you know what you know what human minds are about, human hearts are about. That's all there, isn't it? You know. So no wonder heart's a difficult area for people. And there's also a demand that your heart be cheerful, bright, loving, compassionate, joyful, excited. You know. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, 
So you need the clarity, uh, you know, discernment, wisdom faculties. Actually, just look at what this, all this feeling does for you. Yeah, it can be really pleasant. It can be really awful. It moves a lot. It moves you around a lot. Is that such a good idea? <laughs> what are the results? <laughs> Do you find that you're kind of frantic, knocked around, um, don't feel settled, uh, losing yourself in everybody else's concerns and this, that and the other? Hmm? So it's a real training. You know, it's not about not feeling. It's about saying, can you turn that feeling base into what's it like just to be here with an out-breath? All the way to the end of it. Just to be here with a, feel, with a sense of sensing the solidity, the warmth of the body. Feeling this is enough. Just this is enough. Just this is enough. You're all right. You're all right. Just like, you know. Coming back to that basic ground, this is the way that we open up a, a, a base for the mind to start to feel settled, contented. It's a turning around of, of um, energy, and it's headed by a turning around of, of understanding, nowhere to look, where you're going to find your stable place. Where you're going to find the place where it feels secure and settled and you can rest. Where you're going to find the place where you feel happy and nourished. You know? Is it through sights, sounds, people, events? Yeah? Or isn't it, isn't it to start at the basis? Now, this may f- seem like it's just shrugging off the rest of the world. But it's we're looking at the basic, not the fruition. You know, not what we can do from that basis. And it's to get the the horse out of the stable before you get the cart on it. You know. There's no point having a cart with all these great places to go when you haven't got a horse to drag the thing. Basic mind, the basic heart is the horse. You've got to feed that horse. It's strong enough to to carry the load, to bring out your goodness, to bring out what's possible, to carry the weights, to shift things around. You've got some, you know, knackered old, broken down nag. <laughs> it's going to go out and save the world, you know, and you can't even look after yourself. There's this lovely um, <clears throat> sutta which I often refer to and I reflect on it a lot. There's this uh, you know, the, the, the analogy, the parable of the acrobats and the you know. so the acrobat has a, has a child, and the idea is that the acrobat gets up on a pole or a rope or a wire or whatever walks along it and the child balances on a on its on a stick on the on the 
the adult's hand, you know, so it's this kind of balancing act. And the, the master, the adult, says to the child, it's really nice the way it's put like this, well, you know, you keep an eye on me, and I'll keep an eye on you, and together we'll work this out. And the child says, no, 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 that's not going to work at all. You look after yourself, I'll look after myself. That's the way we'll get it done. It's really nice that it's almost like a child has more sense than an adult. <laughs> because they haven't got the kind of condition into this kind of outgoing. You know, it's just a parable, of course. Uh, and uh, the Buddha, said, Buddha commends this, you know, uses this analogy. And he says, how does one look after oneself? He says, through the four foundations of mindfulness. And the four foundations of mindfulness always start with, this, with the sutta that describes is one finds a, a quiet place, one sits, the, sits down at the root of a tree, okay, with spine erect, placing, bringing mindfulness to the fore, bringing this sense of presence of mind, bearing in mind, the ability to bear something in mind, to establish this presence of mind on something, you know. And that's what mindfulness is. It's just this sense of, mm. Remembering the present, you might say. It's just the kind of what. And then this is breathing in, knowing one's breathing in and breathing out. See the sense of basic settling. You know? So, and then you from there, from that settled place, you're able to review and and, and feelings and impressions. And as you as you as you maintain that sense of stability. They begin to settle and calm, and you understand them. You understand which are the good ones, which are the not so good ones, which are relevant, which are irrelevant, and you also understand the nature of feeling. It's just something that, that happens. You don't have to follow them. You don't have to repress them. They're just like that. They're just part of the environment. So you're not mesmerized or repelled by feeling. And it goes through these with these four foundations. That's the mind states. And then even the kind of structures that the mind generates in terms of, of um, spiritual aspirations, spiritual faculties, and um, hindrances. You know. So anyway, I don't want to go into all that. But essentially, it's basically you set up this establishment of your own presence. You know, and you work with that. And he says, how in looking after yourself do you look after others? And then he says... You practice patience, harmlessness, kindness, and empathy. This is lovely. You know, this is heart, isn't it? You know? Patience, kindness. Patience, harmlessness, kindness, and empathy. This is heart. This is really, to me, this is beautiful. And this is, you can sense with that, it's a widening, isn't there? You know? Patience, first of all, you really able to bear to carry some weight to bear with yeah? now that you could say that's your fundamental ground, that's when your heart starts to get this sense of I've got my feet on the ground here, I can bear with I'm not panicking I'm not impatient, I'm not pressurised you know? patience, harmlessness there's not that rising up to defend there's not that rising up of irritation. There's not that rising up to, to, to you know, which comes from loss of ground, panicking, fearing, flustered. We start to get snappy, t- 
tetchy, irritable. Hmm? You know, this is what it is, isn't it? Not I mean, everybody, um, you know, I mean, anybody kind of halfway sane doesn't. You know, when you're settled, you don't want violence. And yet, violence is rampant, isn't it? You know, football match, people are bottling each other, screaming at each other, booing, hissing. <laughs> You know, and, we, and it's almost that's a good thing because then at least it's kind of being let out in a, in a, in a place where it, it's kind of relatively physically harmless you know, compared with the street gangs and wars which has been going on all throughout human history. Wow. What's it over? Territory. Mine. It's basically over ground, isn't it? Religious ground, physical ground. Wealth, uh, my club against yours. It's a sense of this is my bit, that's your bit, and I'm holding it, you know, mine and yours. So then you get the sense of, you know, I've got my ground. This lovely um, sutta where the, the Buddha talks to one of his disciples who wants to go off to some distant part of India. And he says, the Buddha says to me, you know, those folks over there are pretty rough, you know. You're going to be all right? And he says, yes, Lord, I think I'll be okay. He says, what if they, um, you know, what if they don't feed you? He said, well, if they don't feed me, I'll, I'll be grateful. I'll be grateful they haven't actually abused me. He says, okay, what if they abuse you? He says, well, if they abuse me, I'll be grateful. I'll grow if they don't actually hit me. He says, what if they hit you? Well, if they hit me, I'll be grateful. <laughs> says, so I'm grateful they don't kill me. So what if they kill you? So if they kill me, I'll be grateful. <laughs> because after all, you know, I've, I've done what I need to do in this body, and it's okay to leave it. <laughs> so the Buddha says, I think you'd be all right. You know, this person, they'd found their ground all right. Uh, and it wasn't, uh, wasn't in the physical body anymore. You know, so the mind, you know, either we establish it, we get in touch with it through the body or through uh, a suitable environment, suitable situation, sense restraint, these things that help to keep us coming back in. That's the scaffolding. That, that's the that's the means. That's the skills to bring it back. But actually, the fruition isn't in any of this. No. That's why it is called the unshakable. When you get really, you know. so then there's the fully realized one has no basis for violence. They don't do it. They haven't got a basis for it because they've got nothing to lose. Hmm? Rest of us, you know, <laughs> we practice with that that instinct, that scolding, abusing, putting down, verbal violence, snappiness. We practice with it. What am I defending myself against? What has somebody taken away from me? Why is somebody? Why, why does it feel like somebody's pressing in on me, bothering me? You know, where's that coming from? 
Can I work with that? Patience, harmlessness, kindness. Yeah. I think one of the things to, to consider about kindness, it's not necessarily, you know, my, my personal understanding, my personal sense of it isn't necessarily a kind of rapturous or uh, very effusive quality, but it basically means we're the same kind. Now that's, you know, that's partly what the English language can do. I can play with it, of course. But uh, the simple sense of it, it's the same, it's basically uh, coming from the same fundamental understanding as morality. That is, to you, to others, as to myself. So, just as I wish for um, you know, warmth, um, sensitivity, forgiveness, um, then, as well, rather than abuse, insensitivity, then this is what you know. I want to. I want to be able to generate or incline towards. And when we people, you know, get this talking about anatta and not self, as if there's nobody here. And I think this can be a, go a little bit strange. There's nobody here. It doesn't really matter anymore. I think one of the ways that at least as a beginner, one can understand it is that sense of you're over there, I'm over here, and the dissonances that make us seem so different. Perhaps we could start to understand, relax some of that, be a little more sympathetic, kindly to others as to myself, sharing, generosity, tolerance. Recognizing we all have bad days, we all have karma. Yeah. But mostly, you know, as much you can intellectualize around, you know, um, trying to be sympathetic, it's, it's, a, it's a fundamental heart feeling of, uh, oh, you know. When you don't push, we don't resist, we don't hold yourself separate. It seems to me it's quite a natural quality of goodwill and warm-heartedness that occurs without trying to do it. And that the, you know, and how sensitive that is almost too sensitive sometimes. So, the way we can be affected, moved by others, ground, ground, don't lose yourself in others. So it's almost like you, you can remain stable and yet begin to widen that quality to include others. So it's always to others as to myself, to myself as to others. You're going to have both together. And empathy, you know, perhaps, you know, somewhere aren't we saying the same thing over and over again? Which 
is that uh, <clears throat> goodwill, but also just the the acknowledgement of this uh, heart domain, you might say, that we do we do affect each other, um, whether we you know good bad, whether we like it or not, it's confused, whether it's healthy, whether it's sane, twisted up, we 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 do affect each other. You don't just sit in a room with another person and things start happening. <laughs> Whether you say anything about it or not, something happens. <laughs> yeah. Now with empathy, it's not the particular quality of the feeling that happens, but just tune in to, the, to this, this the, the fact that we feel, that we do pick up something. You know, that we, without necessarily verbal communication or knowing some, something happens we are basically empathic beings, we are resonant beings we do sense otherness and there's something that kind of moves with that sometimes the movements are extremely chaotic uncertain, wavering worried, afflicted in some way or another but you put that aside just to the fact of, of attuning so it's a very fundamental quality you might say it's not the feeling itself but the ability to feel it's not feeling of uh, you know heightened you know negative but just the ability to feel you focus focus on that you stay with that then that in terms of looking after others that will that sense acts as the basic intelligence. You know, you just, without, so, in terms of how you respond, that is, instead of figuring out how you should be, what would be good, what you should make, how they feel about what is right, and, or getting kind of stirred up or, or, or confused about one's emotions, you just stay with the sense of I'm feeling something. You know, something's being felt. Wait with that. See what happens. So th- then you see, it's always a you're, you're going to the, the the basis and bearing it in mind, establishing mindfulness there, and then trust that. See what happens. See what comes out of that. It's extraordinary that. Um, You know, the the worry or the, the confusion or the loss of confidence that can beset us somehow gives the idea that unless I make something happen, nothing's going to happen. I've got to come up with an idea, otherwise I'll never have another thought. <laughs> I mean, does it, you know, it doesn't stop, does it? And yet we always get this feeling you've got to make something, do something, get it working as if nothing's going to happen without you doing it. As far as I can see, that's never the case. It keeps happening all the time. Just the problem is it doesn't happen the way I want it to happen. I don't get the nice clear paradigms. I don't get the nice smooth, smoothly graduated flows of feeling. It's kind of rocky, rough, confused, choppy stuff. So I think, well, I'm trying to come up with the right one instead. Nice, clear, assured, confident, harmless, generous, compassionate, wise, sensitive, cool, 
approved of, traditional, new, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> to get it right. So that's, you know, so that's what the outgoing mind proliferate. And maybe the beauty of this is that we could just come right back. It would be given to us. You could come right back to the basis. It would be given to you. It might be a very simple thing. Often they are. The most simple, obvious things. Uh, Small gestures. Mm. Small moments. Pausing. Listening. You You suddenly come back into something that that uh, is shared. You get a, you know, it's not constructed. You feel settled, and you know, even we, even animals pick that up. You stand next to a horse for a while, you know, sit with the dog, sit with the cat. You might even work with humans, you know. <laughs> I'm reading this. Uh, obituary of a Dhamma practitioner <coughs> called Kundanya. Not this one, he's still alive. <laughs> this is a lay, lay person in America. He was a very fine man. And he, he used to do shiatsu. And this woman who wrote his obituary said she'd always see him on retreats. And uh, he had this way in which he would just sit and he really trusted the presence, just the power of sitting. So, you know, he, she, he noticed she'd have some difficulties in being in a state, and she'd go off to one side of the tea. He'd just go and sit, like, five feet away from her, just sit and then drink his tea. Calmly. Wouldn't say anything. Wouldn't do anything. Wouldn't try to fix her sword rate. He'd just sit there quietly. You know, a kind of comfortable distance. Slowly drink his tea. And just let that, you know. She just said how much she appreciated somebody who wasn't, you know, doing some kind of number on her. (laughs) Just picking up the quality of somebody sitting there, drinking a tea, open. If they want to talk, that's fine. Doesn't want to talk, that's fine. But just manifesting that energy of presence, simple groundedness. And obviously... You know, he definitely chose to go and sit near her, sensing she was in distress. So it wasn't like he wasn't aware, but open, but maintaining presence and just letting that be felt. And she said that's incredibly helpful, you know, just that. Because something underneath our kind of emotional waves can really pick that up when you find yourself. Uh, calming down, finding your ground. It's, yeah. Of course, this is why you know somebody has loved to be with um, wise teachers. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of interesting things they can say and manifest, but something about the quality of presence that makes you start to feel good, because we do have this. Uh, basic heart and you know you can be surprised what do I feel so 
good because I haven't solved anything, sorted anything, fixed anything. You know? When my, my main occasion, don't mind me going on a little bit, it's a very nice, being with Ajahn Chah, Venerable Ajahn Chah, <coughs> who was a master at, uh, on many levels, but uh, a master of kindness. Yeah. And he was in Britain for a few a month or two, I think, briefly. Seventy nine when I just come over from Thailand myself. So I was very it was about third Wasa, third reigns so was quite new as a monk. And then Ajahn Chah was like, you know, thirty, forty Vasas or whatever he was and you know, impressive. I mean, you know, the man had ground all right. He was like a, he walked around like an aircraft hangar. There's <laughs> so much space inside him, and you could feel it. But yet, kind of, he he chuckle and tease and laugh a lot, and he had this way of making people really comfortable. And the interesting thing was that he couldn't speak more than a few phrases of English, and I spoke, you know, perhaps the same amount of Thai. But all he could say in English was "cup of tea." Because he felt that was the most useful thing to say <laughs> to his immediate source of comfort and <laughs> ah, you know, nothing too high and profound, but no you know, cup of tea. So this is what he he chose as his, <laughs> as his mantra. <laughs> yeah. So I had this occasion when <clears throat> I was quite nervous. This kind of great great master thing. And uh, so one time I was in the back of a car with two other monks and then Ajahn Chah was in the front of the car. And we arrived at this uh, place where we were going to stay. And then the other monks, they all got out. And then the monks deliberately, two other monks deliberately gave me Ajahn Chah's bag. They obviously decided they were going to push me, me and him together, you know. So I took Ajahn Chah's bag into his room and then I started undoing it and taking his things out. And he came out and he, he sat down. And he just started talking to me. And, you know, kind of, you know, and he was just basically just kind of gently, it was the sound of the voice. Like, kind of like chuckling, warm, uh, musical sound to his voice. I didn't know what he was saying. It didn't really matter. And his smile on his face, kind of chuckling, warm, gurgling sounds coming out. <laughs> I sort of sitting there and I, I could just feel myself gradually losing this kind of tense nervousness and getting softer and easier and happier, you know. And I started saying, you know, a few things back to him, like basically, you know, with very simple words of Thai, and he'd come across with his cup of tea. <laughs> a few other phrases he'd picked up. And we must have spent an hour or so together. You know, the time I came out of the room, I was kind of like, on a cloud, <laughs> just feeling Buddhism is great. This is the being a monk is a wonderful thing, you know. There are no problems. It's all just wonderful and joyful, you know. And actually, we dis- you know, we discuss nothing, just presence. And uh, always kind of remember that, you know, that the the simplicity, because it made you feel like this was your the person, your favorite uncle. 
person you know along your life you felt immediate sense of trust and warmth with and it wasn't because he was saying because he I couldn't understand what he was saying but you could pick up or something could pick up you know this quality and the beauty of it was was it wasn't just you picking up him but you started to pick up yourself you know you start to notice something underneath the anxieties and the desperation and the trying to get it right and the worry and the trying to be serious and get it together underneath that something really sweet and settled and beautiful mm. and it's kind of basic basic heart mm. so a master in a way has the ability to perhaps encourage you to come back into your own space by playing around by saying oh, well, everything out here is nothing to be really concerned about you know sometimes you need somebody else to, to show you that to tell you that yeah. and this fundamental ground of presence and the ability to tune into that enjoy it and then widen it, include others. So it's important to, to understand what the mind really is. <coughs>